Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 109. Today we're talking content and copywriting. What's the difference between effective web copy and effective print copy? My panel today is Sally Getch, Brian Jackson, and Jonathan Denwood. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm an inbound marketer for uh, KeyCDN, and I guess you could say to put it um, easily, we, we focus on speeding up websites, I guess, the easy way to put it. Um, and we are a content delivery network, which means, you know, we copy contents of your data and we store it on, you know, little servers around the world. And then um, it's faster for people because when they visit it, um, the content is then served from the servers closer to them. That's probably the easiest way to explain that. Yep. Uh, very awesome. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Sally Getch. Um, I build WordPress websites for small businesses and nonprofits over at WP Fangirl, and I am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And Jonathan, my co-host, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a service maintenance company. In the uh, We support WordPress websites. We do all the boring stuff so you can concentrate on your business and make money. Sweet. Well, I'm John Locke, and I run a small WordPress consultancy in Sacramento called Lockdown Design. Uh, so before we get into today's main topic... Uh, let's go over a couple news stories that are happening in the WordPress space. And uh, story number one is from WP Tavern reporting that Codable IO bought back shares from early investors and they're partnering with WooCommerce. Uh, Brian, how do, how do you see this as a strategic move uh, by Codable? Yeah, no, that's really interesting, actually. Um it's interesting too. There's a lot of stuff happening with WooCommerce lately, especially with their change to their their main domain now. Finally, you know, I, I thought that mm-hmm. would happen years ago, and it, you know, finally did. I think everyone saw that coming eventually. Um, I think the partnership is probably going to be good. Um, automatic, it seems like is now a beast. <laughs> I'm a beast, almost like a monopoly yeah. now. And so yeah. I'm, I'm curious how this is going to affect that long term. Um, I, I see it only helping the WordPress community, though, really. I mean, Codable is a great source. I, I actually refer anybody that needs help. Um, maybe I should be referring to you guys, but I send them all to Codable right now. Like, um, <laughs> So maybe we can chat later, too. But, you know, even on my website right now, it says, you know, I don't accept new clients. If you need help, go to Codable. That's actually what it says in my contact forms. So, you know, I've chatted oh, nice. with their CEO before and you know I, I really like what they're doing over there and I think they actually do provide a really really good service so I think I think um, yeah this recent news about the buying back shares yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens <laughs> Sally uh, what are your thoughts on this me, it seems to me this is actually two stories that they sort of pushed into one because they, they, they don't really appear to be related. I mean, you know, they're buying back shares. I, I've never run a company where you have, uh, you know, where I've needed to look for investors or, or anything like that. But, it, you know, their argument was pretty clear. We want to buy back these shares in case we want to raise more money later and we still want to, con- you know, maintain control of the company. Um, and I think that, you know, partnering with Automatic is 
certainly going to be good for them. And of course, WooCommerce specifically is an area that um, you know that people need support with. I had somebody talking to me about it uh, yesterday about you know various kinds of of uh, WordPress support and you know particularly for for e-commerce because that's uh, not necessarily a, a simple thing to to get set up. And yeah, it's it, it's about time that that they uh, th- that they switch the domain names because I'm you know it's it's for darn sure that the themes are not why Automatic bought them. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on this uh, story? Well, obviously, I would be interested in it. That's why I suggested it. But I think it's a multifaceted story, you know, on various layers. Obviously, the buying back of shares um, isn't in some ways that interesting. But um, what was interesting to me is that, you know, they're saying they've got a, per month, they've got a 9% growth, um, which is amazing. Um, got 250 developers on their books. Um, they, I think they were saying um, quite a healthy monthly um, net income coming in. Got 12 full-time staff. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the other thing that I've learned is, you know, when they were talking about how they set up the company, they, um, you know, having WooCommerce as an investor, initial investor, and also a partner... Um, that referred clients to them was rather handy, wasn't it, John? But uh, pretty smart moves, really. Um, these Danish people, well, Sally will probably has met a few as also. They're pretty clever, aren't they? Actually, Sally, aren't they? They're pretty. Clever. Uh, yes. Well, he, uh, the, apparently the Dutch people have jokes about you know don't get a Danish CEO for for your business, but. Uh, it, uh, so far, these you know, Codable seems to be doing great, and you know, it's, it, it's significant about the, the share buyback because it means they're actually you know profitable enough to to be able to do that. Um, but I also agree with Brian. Um, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but you know, um, you know, old Matt and his crew seem to be buying a lot of companies up but they've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies haven't they Brian yeah I mean it's almost I mean I'm a big fan of WordPress so I mean I'm, I'm I love what he did but I mean I almost I almost see them kind of more like a Walmart now it's just kind of they're this huge monopoly and you know they own all this other stuff um but yeah, I mean, they are. There's there's stories about them happening all the time, and they're they're partnering with all these places. So it, it'll be interesting, I'm sure, like five years from now to see what's actually happening with all this stuff. Yeah, the um, I think the interesting part of that was what happened in WordCamp Europe. You know, when Matt was being interviewed, and it was that that um, it. You know, there were, that's that moment when he was told about, you know, how many, I forgot the percentage of themes in the retopory that weren't responsive. Uh, you know, some, was it, what was it, John, about, oh, someone's, have we got a jet fighter? Is it, is it a Turkish jet fighter? Oh, it's, just, it's just a train. <laughs> it's a train, isn't it? But I actually thought it was a turn. Yeah, Tom Cruise is flying overhead. Right. Um, so let's get back to point. Um, when he was told, well, I've got the percentage. I think it was a third, was it, John? Of the themes weren't responsive, and you could you could look, you could see the the kind of look of shock and horror on his face. Um, 
But I've, yeah. I've always a little bit concerning that the CEO didn't know that a third of his themes in, in weren't responsive, and really that. Sh- but I kind of link it to what Brian's just said. Um, I think I think the top management's a little bit stretched um, because they've got so many fingers in so many pies now, uh, and I think that showed in that moment in um, WordCamp Europe because he really didn't know and. I think that's a little bit alarming, you know, really, but that's just my point of view. What do you think, Sam? (laughs) Yes, sorry, train is still going by. Um, You know, it's, uh, it does seem like they're, you know, reaching out in a lot of directions at once, and that's, you know, not such unusual behavior if you look at, you know, Facebook buying things or Google buying things or, you know, companies do this sort of stuff. and, um, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's, it's really going to look like, you know, they're trying to buy everybody or they're just trying to buy certain things that, that fit in with their, uh, you know, where they're, where they're planning to, to take the company. You know, I certainly didn't know that, you know, there were that many uh, themes in the repository that, that weren't responsive. Uh, I don't know whether the theme review team knew that um you know i'm not sure i'm not sure how uh, how easy it is to find out uh, and i'm not sure that 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 level of uh information is what matt is supposed to be doing at, at this time um although possibly you know somebody else should have found it out and reported it to him um and it does seem like a you know a ridiculously uh, uh large uh, number, uh, at, you know, in 2016. But, uh, you know, we look at the plugin directory and all the things we have where, you know, they're flagged now that they haven't been updated for X number of years, but they're still there. Uh, you know, a little, a, a little clearing of clutter might be in order, but then you kind of have to figure out, well, you know, who decides that and how do they do it? And, and you know, basically there are two people reviewing plugins right now and, and you know, a handful of people reviewing themes and they're already pretty stretched. I, I think that situation will be rectified. I think they'll make it a requirement and they'll give people enough time to make their themes responsive. But I can see that being a requirement like pretty quickly on the horizon. Um, I think as far as like the main story, like Codable, uh, buying back shares, they're obviously focused on growth. They want to retain control. And they know that if you sell too much of your company to an investor, you kind of like lose some of your say. In, in where you're going. And I think them partnering with WooCommerce, I think that's good for Automatic and WooCommerce. And I think it's good for Codable for the platform of WordPress to get the next 25% of market share. They're going to need um, reliable people that they can refer uh, customers and clients to when they need help. And I think Codable is proving themselves. Jonathan is having a laughing fit over in the corner. I'll cry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of becoming a beast, do we actually want WordPress to get, you know, the next 25% and the next 25% after that? Because yeah. I think, I think that's going to be a lot harder than the first 25. Um, anyway, so on to our second uh, news story, Twerk published an article uh, on 45 plugins that are alternatives to the modules in Jetpack. Uh, Brian, of the customers that you have, how many people use Jetpack? 
And do you see Jetpack as a drain on resources? I mean, I, yeah. So hopefully nobody takes offense to this, but uh, I'm very, uh, I guess, working for a, a content delivery network. You know, I'm very OCD, even on my own websites. You know, I'm, I'm aiming for that 600 millisecond load time, um, which is probably more than most people are. Or even, I mean, I've hit the 150 millisecond barrier before on a fresh install. That's, that's where I'm really aiming for, for my site. And yeah. um, with Jetpack, I'm not a fan. I'll just put it out there. <laughs> I hate Jetpack. Um, <laughs> so people can take that and think what they want. Um, but I mean, it's because I, I feel like it's almost like a theme forest theme where it's just become this bloated plugin. Um, and it's not to say it can't run well. Like you, you can pick it apart and actually use certain pieces. So it, if you use it the right way, it can be done well. But and the same with the, you know, the Aveda theme. You know, I've gotten that to load really fast too, but if you load the whole thing, it's a horrible, it's a horrible thing. So, and people, a lot of people, WordPress users don't know how to do that, which, you know, if you put it all out there, it ends up being really slow. Um, so I think I, that's a big pet peeve I have of developers that I think they need to worry more about performance and they don't. Um, Jetpack, another thing is, you know, they have that Photon CDN in there running, um, I'm not a big fan of that. You've probably seen that .iwp in the image URLs before. Um, you know, it's not a full-fledged CDN, and I think they're trying to market it as a CDN to people because I've seen, even on discussions in the WordPress forums, people say, oh, well, this is a free photo CDN. Well, if, if you know really what a CDN is, not, it's, it's a dumbed-down cheap CDN is what it is. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's not a lot of pops. There's not... Um, I don't know if it has HTTP2 support yet. I don't, I don't look that much into Photon anymore just because I don't use it as much. Um, but there's a lot of things it doesn't have, and I think they sometimes market it as performance when really, you know, there's, there's a lot better ways to do performance. So that's, I guess that's my take on Jetpack. Yeah. So do you think a lot of people just leave stuff enabled that shouldn't be enabled? They kind of don't know oh, how to yeah. go... Yeah, yeah. I see. It, I almost every day. I see. You know, um, anyone that uses Jetpack, I would say eighty-five percent. They enable every single thing in there, and that's what they're running. And then on their website, I mean, you look through their HTTP requests, and you see all this, pretty much all this crap. <laughs> so, uh, and so again, what, it's not it's not all Jetpack's fault, but it's partially the user's fault as well. So. so, what you're saying in essence is they don't need to be using beautiful math or anything like that, probably. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. There's, I, run, yeah, there's, I run it every time on one of the websites I've been tied in. Love it, you know. So. Yeah, I. Yeah. But but hey, you never know if you're going to need to like you know put out a math equation on your site or you just never yeah. know. No, no, that's that's a no, whole other reason I don't like. But yeah. Yeah, one does wonder a little bit Sally. about some of their choices to, to put things uh, in there because it must be a pretty tiny fraction of sites that need beautiful math. Now, the ones that need to do something like this, they, they really need it. But, you know, as this article says, there are already plugins for that. I mean, you know, there's nothing terribly new in this article. All of these alternatives have been mentioned somewhere in some other article that I've read over the past several years. Um, and my approach to Jetpack tends to be, if I'm going to be using, you know, sort of like four or more of its features, I, you know, I, I may install it and then be very careful that anything I'm not using is is disabled. And if I only need one or two of the things it does, I will install a different plugin for it. Because, you know, if you need 
seven or eight of the things that, that Jetpack is doing, installing seven or eight separate plugins for it is not necessarily going to be any more efficient than installing Jetpack. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think probably, you know, everything should be deactivated by default and you have to, you should have to turn it on as, as you need it. I, I think that would actually be a better idea, but for some reason they just kind of make that choice for you. And I think people don't uh, disable those. Jonathan, what's your thoughts on uh, Jetpack? Uh, it's really, uh, I'm going to come across such a bitch. Um, well, what, Sa- what Sally said, I totally agree. You know, always sensible. Sally's always very sensible. Um, they're such a nice group of people. And it's such a, it's, it makes it so difficult to tell that it's, it's just a dog of a plug-in. It's a dog of idea. Uh, um, it should just be put out and killed somewhere humanely. Um, but, you know, you, you just never want to say it because they're such nice developers and they're such nice people. When you go to the word camps, they're always such, you know, great crew, aren't they? And But I just despise it. I despise the philosophy behind it, how it works. I just... I just hate it, you know. I'm supposed to, I'm worse than Brian, you know. I just, God, gosh, uh, Jonathan, <clears throat> tell us how you really feel. You know, I just, it's just one of those things where you know I just don't understand it. I don't understand where it. I do understand, you know, because it's linked to WordPress.com, and you know, it's you know, it's like a lot of things when you have <laughs> different business priorities, you end up with something like jetpack that you know the, you know that that's the reality that's why you end up with a dog like that and um i just despise the whole thing sorry sorry folks well they're not going to be sponsors are cool. they? they're not going to be sponsors john are they no and i think well, I, i'll have to be honest <laughs> i do use jet i i do use jetpack on on some sites but i might enable like you know maybe like three or four things at the most but I, I think back to something that, that Matt said before is Jetpack is almost like a, a, a gateway to people using WordPress and a way for like uh, people to, well, you know, guy, like newbie guy, users, guy, well, beginner sorry, users to be able to put a bunch of stuff up with with one, you know, plugin that's kind of a suite of like a whole bunch of other plugins. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Brian? Do you think Jetpack is uh, effective as bringing in like beginner users to the WordPress ecosystem, I th- I think it. Is, I mean, there's kind of I feel two different ways with that one. I I think it it might help, but I think there's so many really really good bloggers out there. Even myself, um, I blog on you know WorkUp.com, and I spend you know many many hours writing these dumbed down tutorials to help WordPress users. And I think there's so many good tutorials out there by bloggers that help people learn. Like here are the good plugins to use. Here's screenshots step-by-step step of how to use them. So I, I think there are better alternatives now for newer people not knowing what to do of, you know, finding these bloggers out there just by going to Google and seeing these are the, you know, these are the good caching plugins. These are the good, you know, social sharing plugins. And then, you know, obviously there might be some testing involved, but even if they pick out of those lists, I think they're still maybe better off than Jetpack. <laughs> yeah, just... 
You know, just, just, you know, get that go, Daddy. Get that blue host crap hosting and bun jetpack on and turn your sight sight into treacle. Yes, I don't... That's a a real good experience for a newbie, isn't it? Treacle on those shows, anyway. That's a great experience, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, but, uh, you know, I think it's not so much for, like, the total WordPress newbie who's who's never had anything to do with WordPress, but kind of the person who's trying to transition from WordPress.com to a self-hosted WordPress site. Because they're accustomed to this, yeah. the features in in Jetpack, and they you know, and they're sort of like, well, where is this? Well, that you know, that's that's sort of what it does. Now, you know, um, most of us we're not using WordPress.com because, you know, we don't necessarily like the way it works that much. Uh, but I can, you know, I, I I can see how it would be, uh, you know, I can sort of see the 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 logic behind that. But you know, as a, as a totally new person using WordPress. I don't know that Jetpack is going to seem any more comprehensible than anything else. No, I, I totally uh, see what you're saying there. Like, it's more to transition the .com people into self-hosted. Okay, well, I think we're going to take a break, and then we're going to go into the main news t- story, or not the main news story, but we're going to go into our main topic, which is uh, talking about copywriting, uh, why we need it, and what's the difference between effective web copy and print copy. So, see you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call her directly at 775-527-7021. And we're back from the break. And now we're uh, going into the main topic we're talking about uh, web copy, uh, hiring a copywriter, and what what makes good effective web copy. Uh, we'll start with Brian. Um, when you were putting together Key CDN, the site, how much thought did you put into the copywriting, and and did you hire someone just to, you know, write the copy in the sales pages? You know, there's there's two of us that are writing the all the content right now, one of us, the other one focuses more on the support side. And I run, if you see the blog, I'm, I'm the one writing all the blog content and a lot of, you know, we work on the landing pages together too and stuff like that. Um, but as far as copywriting, I, I think too, um, you have to, I'm an SEO guy by trade. And so whenever I hear copyright, I think Google and I think rankings. And so it's not as far as, you know, obviously you got to have your grammar correct. You got to make sure you're not copying anyone to, you know, you got to, you know, run your stuff through CopyScape, all that, all that technical stuff. But, you know, as far as KeySeeing goes, you know, we're always, we're still very heavily focused on keyword research and um, focusing on keywords that, you know, that Google likes to hear. And then also um, as far as, you know, what users want to see. And then, um, so for right now, you know, we don't outsource our copy because our copy to us is golden. So we don't, you know, we don't pay other writers. We don't pay copywriters. Um, and so, you know, all of it's done by myself and one other person. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, content is king. I think that saying is still alive and well, um, even though with this recent transition from Google a couple of weeks ago on keywords now grouping up together. I don't know if anyone saw that um, in the keyword planner. Very frustrating for me. But like if you look up a keyword, say, CDN and Content Delivery Network, the Keyword Planner now shows you the exact same search volume for those two keywords. 
well, which well, they're about 30,000 volume yeah. search difference. So, don't but to, don't want to go too off topic, but um, you know, it, it's been a you know, this is just my opinion, Brian. You know, it's just a continuous assault on organic search by Google. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it you know, the harder you know, they've always it's a bit very similar to Jetpack, it's when you have conflicting business objectives this and you know their money maker is paid out advertisement so they're no fr- they're no friend of organic search but it was organic search that made the company that made it what it is so there's a contradiction well and if, if their search does you know doesn't show up to be relevant um you know people are going to start using something else we lost uh John, he will he will return like MacArthur. I will return. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I will. You know, I know the, I know the episode will suffer, Sally, but I will have to take over as lead, won't I? I guess so. Uh, yeah. Well, I you know I think SEO is probably the biggest distinguisher between successful web copy and successful print copy because you don't have to worry about search engines when you're writing print copy uh although you know it's not that often anymore that people write copy that's going to be only used in one place and 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 not in multiple places but you know kind of thinking about writing for the web versus writing for print and you know the emphasis on sort of you know breaking things down and using headings and using lists and you're making it easy to to skim the things if you're writing marketing copy like okay how much content can you fit on a billboard it's about equivalent to what you can put up over an, an image on Instagram. Uh, you know, it's it, it needs to be very short and very much to the point and, and integrated usually in, in some kind of visual uh, background. And uh, likewise, you know, if, if, if you're writing an ad that people are going to be sort of, you know, just their their eye will happen to pass over it as they're looking for something else in the, in the newspaper or the, you know, that type of thing is actually pretty similar that you want something that's going to grab someone's attention and, and give them a reason to, to, to care and to, to take an action. Uh, so, you know, in terms of sales pages, um, you know, and uh, it is harder to read sort of unbroken long form uh, text on the web. And yet, you know, you get people writing some pretty big posts in medium and, and reading them and they're not necessarily broken up that much. But I think, you know, that certain aspects of sales copy are the same, uh, you know, medium to medium, except that, you know, you do have to worry a lot more about the, the SEO in uh, web copy. And so, you know, this is where the sort of like, you know, clever headlines that are that are fun to read in, in newspapers that, you know, the British are particularly good at, uh, you know, flounder on the web because they don't mean anything to a search engine. You know, you, you need to have something that's kind of more explicitly descriptive for a search engine. And that's partly why, you know, plugins like Yoast let you use sort of like one title for the humans to see and one title for the search engines to see so that you can, you know, be sure to put keywords in there and, and not necessarily, you know, spoil your clever pun. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, there's a big difference between writing marketing copy and writing other kinds of things. Yeah, I think it's um, a great point. That's why me and John thought it was a good topic because, you know, you know um, I think we, as web professionals, we 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 can be just as guilty, especially with our own websites, because um, we've got normally a, a lot of things 
a lot of balls were juggling and you know you slap content on but you know to make it truly readable which will help with the bounce rate that's a term um, folks um, it means how long people stay on a website or a Pacific blog post and the longer somebody stays on a Pacific article the more Google likes it I'm, I'm, hopefully Brian will agree that I'm explaining that reasonably coherently um, obviously we've got the Turks back the Turkish jet fighters coming folks uh, um, so um, <laughs> um, we'll get back on subject um, so Layout, you know, like what Sally said, you know, having short paragraphs, having H2s, you know, um, having contrast, spending a little bit of time on breaking the article up in a, a consistent format that you can see all over the Pacific website um, is important um but you do see it you know not in the kind of top blogging sites or um where there's an editing um team normally but you even on some large corporate sites you do still see pretty crummy formatting but it's normally on the you know um smaller businesses medium businesses and it does really affect readability because you you can see that the people that are running the site they're from a print background would you agree with that brian or do you think i'm blabbing off into the distance no no i i agree um and like what sally said too with the, i think there's a big difference between print copy and web slash marketing copy and you know i've always lived in the web part of it so i've never written for print thank god so i'm I'm always thinking marketing-wise, but I'm thinking, you know, what will people see? Um, what will people want to share? Um, what will Google see? I'm always thinking of those lines. But, yeah, I think, like you said, breaking it up is very, very important because um, you can write a 5,000-word post, which Google might love, but if they only scroll down, like, two seconds, I mean, it's not very help- it's not really helping your business that much. Um, and I was running some numbers the other day on some of my um, call-to-actions, and actually, some of the top converting ones were actually the footer ones right at the end of the articles. So either people are skimming really fast and then clicking at the end, or they're actually reading some of that content. Um, so I think it's important to, to, to realize that you want to get people to, to read all of that content. And sometimes that involves, you know, breaking it up with uh, what Sally said, you know, H1s, H2s, H3s still, not just for Google, but also for, for readability. So I, I guessing that we kind of covered this, uh, but Sally, like, so making things like scannable, that is uh, definitely something we're doing like in web copy. We're not trying to write like a, a, you know, like a thousand page novel here. We're trying to break it up into scannable chunks. Um, I think I, I think I'll answer that actually, John, because Sally, okay. Sally's kind of switched herself off. Um, Sally's having some trouble. Sorry, all right. I, I just ha- I just pressed that during the train, but go ahead, Jonathan. No, Sally's having some trouble with the Turkish Air Force. Uh, um, so, yeah, it's scannable. You know, I think that especially when you're dealing with clients that are not used to constructing, building websites, they uh, they they they. they, they 
I've had this a few times where they hired somebody locally who's a proficient writer, but it's normally very experienced in, in the print medium and just thinks they can write for the web. And you get the copy, and it's it's like War and Peace, or they post it onto the onto the pages, and you look at it, and it's unreadable, um, or you're going to get a very high bounce rate. For the things that Brian and Sally remarked about, you know, you got to break it up into flow. Um, I think I was really interested in what Brian said, um, but it, thinking about it, that's how I operate myself Brian is that I look at the heading I scan the page look at the type the um, subtitles and then I look at the bottom for the summary if there is a summary um, and then I make a decision am I going to read this in any more depth or or am I going to move on to another internal page or am I going to leave the site and I think that's how people operate um I'm as guilty as anybody on my own website not putting a good summary, and actually that's something I'm going to, me and John, are going to have to think about. Um, but there's a lot of factors going on here, John. You know, um, it's like everything, isn't it, John? The, the more thought you put into it, the more hopefully return you're going to get. Yeah, I think that's kind of true. It's uh, you know definitely like when you're writing a sales page. It's it's even a different kind of strategy than if you're writing a blog post. Um, but here's a question for Brian: When you're writing for Key CDN, are, what sorts of things are you measuring? Are you doing A/B testing? Are you uh, doing user testing before you publish it live? Uh, what what sorts of things are you? What sorts of analytics and figures are you looking at to see if your copy is effective as it could be? Um, I mean, a couple of things we do is I think the first is you always want to keep your audience in mind. And so ours, of course, you know, we always have we're more on the, you know, we have a lot of people that use WordPress, but we're more the developer end of it. So a lot of our articles are maybe the more advanced WordPress users um, and then the more dev crowd using, you know, Laravel, Ruby, all those kind of people. Um, we try to hit both. Um, so we do have some, some easier to read blog posts too. But um, I think one thing is your call to actions are very, very important. And a couple of things we do is we actually use um, just simple UTM parameters on, say, like the sidebar and the footer call to actions. And then you can hook those up to goals and then see which ones actually convert more. Um, and so you can see, you know, maybe is your copy working as far as getting them down to the page, the bottom, and then converting at the bottom, or are people reading things on the side of the page? So that's something a little you can do. Um, there's other tools you can use. Um, we actually are big fans of Google Analytics. It's, I mean, free. And they actually have a very cool, um, uh, we call it heat map and stuff in Google Analytics. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and so they'll, you know, there's other tools like Hotjar and stuff for popular ones you can use for heat maps and stuff. But um, Google Analytics has a great um, click map too. You can see what people are clicking on. Um, and so we we rely a lot actually on on Google Analytics for that stuff. Um, oh, really cool. And then we we also rely on people what they tell us. We've seen some articles, you know, people don't like the content, and so we shift focus and we maybe never write about that again. 
So I think keeping your user in mind for what you're writing for your copy is probably the number one important thing. That's definitely an important thing, no matter uh, what you're writing. And it's, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, the really, a lot of the really bad stuff I've, I've seen on websites, I think is written by people who just aren't used to writing copy of, of any kind, uh, you know, print, uh, or, you know, it's, it's people who maybe, maybe their previous experiences, they've put together a yellow pages ad for their, their company, you know, something they, they really don't know very much about it. Um, you know, in my former life, I was an academic, and there's a certain way you write when you're an academic, and it's fairly turgid, frankly. Uh, and you know, and you have to have lots of footnotes and 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 so on. And when I shifted over to doing writing for business, that was a big difference. And you know, people do not sit there and read business books cover to cover most of the time. They do exactly the same thing they do on websites. They look for you know headings and subheadings and lists and and try to kind of get through it quickly to 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 pull out. What are the main ideas here? And you have to, you know, you have to write in, in simpler language. You have to think more about, you know, structuring this so that uh, people can, uh, you know, quickly get the, uh, pull out <clears throat> the main ideas and, and so on. And, and as I, John, was, was offline, but I said, you know, you can put about the same amount of text on a billboard as you can on an Instagram square. Uh, right there, there are formats both in print and online that where you you can, you only have a very few words and you always have to make them count. And what you know what you don't have is any kind of heat mapping tool to tell you what's working on your billboard. <laughs> yeah, that's so, why I don't like print. Yeah, I think another thing is <clears throat> I think there's different levels of 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 how people are going to treat the website. I've just been thinking about this over the past couple of days. I'll be interested in to see if Brian or Sandy agree with me. I think you got when some if you're selling a service or product on a website, I think you get people that come to your site through search, through articles, external links, and then they're they're in scanning mode and they're making a judgment. Am I going to stay on this site? Does Will this product, is this product worthwhile to meet my requirements? So I will study the content. So they're in what I call pre-buy mood. They're scanning. They're looking at various products, different websites. Let's say they're looking for a CDN. They're looking at multiple CDN providers. So they're in scanning mode. When they hit, then they make a choice of one or two sites that they're going to investigate a bit more. Then I think they 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 get into a totally different mindset, and they're reading everything on that website. They're they're reading. They're spending a lot of time. If if they find grammar, spelling mistakes, other stuff, because they they've they're transferred into a different mindset. They're looking for a reason not to buy a product, to go to the competitors. So if they find grammar, spelling, other stuff, or copy that's just obviously just been slapped on there, they're off to the competitors. So I think there's kind of two mindsets when they're looking. Would you agree with that, Brian? Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree with that. There's there's the buying mode, there's the searching mode, and I think websites we we deal with this at Kisi, and then actually it's you know a struggle as a marketer on a day to day basis as. If you write an article that's not related to your product as much, you know, you're getting that search traffic, but are you, do they have the buying intent for your own product? And so is it worthwhile putting that copy out there 
if they don't convert to your own products. So I, th- I think it's a struggle that every our, every business is going to have. You know, um, I see a lot of businesses writing random topics on random things that I know it's never going to convert to their products. So I don't know why they're spending that time and effort writing on that. We always try to tie in something as far as, you know, web performance. It's always about web performance, web development, you know, stuff like that. Um, so hopefully those people are more in the buying mood, I guess you could say, than other people. Um, but yeah, like you said, if, if they see bad grammar and stuff, I mean, even myself, like if I see that ad copy on someone I'm comparing a tool against, like I'm, I'm just gone. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't get, I don't have to be anywhere far down the sales funnel to, if, you know, if you are illiterate, I'm going away. Um, you know, it's like, I have some understanding for the people where, you know, English is not their native language and they're, they're going to make certain mistakes, but it's sort of like, if you're serious about having a professional project, you're going to have somebody proofread that for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, that uh, uh, it just is, you know, people judge that. Uh, and so you have to be you have to be very careful about it. But it is definitely true that, you know, at the at the beginning phase of the sales funnel, they're, you know, reading a, a little more casually. And at, at a later stage, you know, that's when, depending on, on your product is, you know, when they might like download the white paper and, and you know, read it in, in more detail or go into, you know, start looking for, you know, oh, we really want all of your specs so that we can make a decent comparison between these, uh, between these products. And, and so you want to make that level of detail available to people, but you don't want to shove it down their throats the first thing, you know, before they even have decided to, to get that far into making comparisons. So what you're saying is uh, there's definitely like a funnel, but some people are pushy or they're trying to make the sale like too early. Yeah. Cool. Um, so here's a Jonathan. Um, do, what are your thoughts on that? Like, uh, is as far as like copy sales well, that, funnels? That's the whole other aspect, you know. And it's, you know, we could have a whole episode about that. What Sally's just brought up because it varies with industry. I've got a product that's aimed for the real estate industry. Well, they want you to get to the point pretty quick. You know, what benefits and features are there that can help them get get more sales, more leads. But then, you know, then you've got to fulfill what Google wants, like what Brian has been said. So um, you, you, you're, you've got two competing things. And then if, if uh, but we've, I've found that um, with WP Tonic or with my other product, um, if, if they really are serious about, buying they do spend a lot more time on the website and and they tend to come back multiple times you know you can see that if if you do set up google analytics or a tracking pixel or some form of tracking mechanism um, a lot of them um, i've had people in wp tonic that eventually have bought the service they come back 20 times john they come back 20 times to the website before the buy. and i don't know if um so that's why i find um, John? Oh, no, I, I think that's it. I think that people do have to get familiar with your brand before they ever make a buying decision. Um, and I think a lot of times people make that buying decision, um, you know, based on other things. So here's a question 
Brian, how effective or how important I should say is your copywriting like outside of your website, say like um, guest posting, social media content, uh, do these things have an influence on people making a buying decision? Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. Um, we rely a lot on affiliates. And so we have, you know, great relationships with our affiliate marketers. Um, and, you know, sometimes we rely on other people to help spread the word for us. If they like our product, you know, um, it's a great way to increase your sales is to rely on people. Um, it's that goes back to the word of mouth thing in the good old days. You know, word of mouth is still alive and well. If people like your product, they'll shout it from the rooftops. They'll tweet it. They'll, you know, um, relying on the other people is very important. Um, but as far as, you know, ad copy is very important um, for guest blogging. We do a lot of guest blogging. I, you know, I spend a majority of my week reaching out to other bloggers and other people. And sometimes I'm writing a post for their website. Sometimes I'm working with them on writing a post about our stuff. Um so I'm always dealing with copy going back and forth on external websites as well, not not just our own website. So yeah, I think it's very important for businesses not just to focus on your own stuff, but also get copy, pretty much get copy everywhere you can. <laughs> Good copy. But. Cool. Uh, Sally, do, what are your thoughts on that external copy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's important for exactly the reasons that, that Brian said, you know, if having other people uh, talk about you. And it's also, uh, you know, you look at stuff like, um, you know, how Webmaster Tools thinks, you know, this is a good or a bad incoming uh, link. You don't want, uh, you don't want, uh, obviously, you know, spammy sources talking about your product because that's going to, that's going to bring you down. Now, of course, you can't really control who writes what, although I think if you're deliberately establishing a relationship with, with someone, you probably want to see, yeah, is, you know, they seem to be credible and, and, uh, you know, intelligent and, and like, you know, people we would want to uh, want to have a relationship with and, you know, and announce that we have a relationship with. Um, so you, you can't just sort of fling yourself out there, uh, you know, trying to, to grasp for, uh, you know, any and, and all uh, incoming links or, or mentions or, or whatever, because it could really uh, bite you on the rear. No, I, I totally agree with what Sally says. I mean, we have a whole, you know, domain authority, a reps rating, Alexa rating, all the stuff before we even think about reaching out to a person, because we, I think there's tools like that you can utilize to see, you know, is this person making a dent in the web industry? Um, is their website, you know, authoritative enough to even be worth spending time putting copy on? You know, I think some people don't look at that either too. Um, if the site has no traffic, there's no reason to even put copy on their website. <laughs> so um, like you said, the, the links matter. Quite yeah, it, it boggles my mind. I sometimes get emails from people who want to put a guest post on a blog I haven't written on since 2011. It's like, what earthly good do you think it would do you even if I said yes? Got to yeah. get backlinks, man. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think those people are still in the old day. I mean, they're just trying to get a backlink, but they don't really understand how backlinks really work is, is, is the problem. Google has gotten smarter, definitely. Yeah, Google's not an idiot. I don't yeah, like no, Google. They, they do not, not hire stupid people at Google. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to wrap up the first hour, or, and we're going to wrap up this portion of the show. Um, 
Jonathan, should everybody like uh, tell us how to get a hold of them? Or yeah, sure. Um, why okay. don't you ask our guest uh, first? To uh, so, Brian, um, how can people get hold of you for these words of wisdoms that you've shared with us on the <laughs> yeah. Petonic Show, Brian? I mean, I spend, you know, if you want to see a lot of my writing, I spend a lot of it on the KeyCDM blog, so it's just keycdm.com. My Twitter, I'm very active on Twitter. It's probably the number one social place that I'm very active in communicating with people. That's just at Brian Lee Jackson, B-R-I-A-N-L-E-E Jackson. And um, my personal blog, it's workup, uh, dot com, and that's more for the marketing WordPress people. So if you're if you're just really big into WordPress, um, I want to check out my blog too. Sally, how do people get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, you can find me at WPFangirl.com or I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and, and a variety of other things. If you can spell my name, you can find me. There's only one of me in Google. And remember, I'm Swiss Sketch. Rhymes with Sketch. Yes, that's what it is. Jonathan, how do people get a hold of you? Um, come to WP Tonic. Have a look at our product and services. Have a good scan and then have a deep read. And um, if you need to get hold of me, I actually answer all my personal email. Brian will t- testify to that. And my Twitter as well. I do monitor my Twitter feed. Don't I, Brian? He does. He responded within a few minutes of me coming on a podcast the other day. Of his. Yeah, I respond to my Twitter feed and my email, folks. So um, if you email me directly at jonathan at wp-tonic.com, you'll get an answer pretty quick. And like Brian said, I am on Twitter observing. Cool. And you can get a hold of me at my site, lockdowndesign.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore. So for episode 109 of WP Tonic, saying, see ya. Bye.